Darkly, what a bad that effort. Leipzig comes through. He's got another one. Just add it to the reel. Liba. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that would like to start this week's episode by issuing an apology to our followers, our fans, members of the Bulldogs, and of course, to Alex Keith. We apologize unreservedly for jinxing you. My name is Matthew Donald, and I have Nick Galea with me as I do every other week. And if you can find it within your heart to forgive us, please subscribe to our podcast. You'll be able to do so by searching for the Salty Bulldog on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcast. You can also check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our website, www.thesaltybulldog.weeksite.com forward slash home. Nick, while we're grieving the, the loss of Keith, I suppose the question has to be asked, how does he force his way back into the side ahead of Josh Shackey now? I love that. I love that. That is a quality introduction right there. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. Good to have you again, that is. Uh, yes, what, what do we do now about the, the great Shaq attack, you know? He's already become one of the best key defenders of the modern era after that outstanding performance on Saturday night. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think um, we should take note of what many of the other journalists out there in the sports world and how they say it's time to cash in on Alex Keep and uh, send him to Essendon. What we need to do. Yeah, I <laughs> reckon what we so. Need to do. Or, or even what, what's the Hawthorne footballer's name? Derek Grain Barras or something like that. De- that De- Denver, I think it is. I think it's Denver, Denver is it? Denver, Denver Granger Barras. That's the one. So yeah. trade Jamara Ugal Hagan also while we're at it too, because yeah. um, clearly he's taken up too much salary cap space on the list. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. It's been a very good week for the most part. It's been a very interesting week as well. There's there's a lot to talk about, as always. Yeah. There's, always a, there's always a lot to yeah. talk about. Uh, but we'll get straight into it this week with the with the football. So actually, no, we won't, because we've got something else we've got to start with firstly, as we do every other week. Sleeved Hall of Fame nominations. We have a new addition to the team, Nick. So those who are watching, the, the shoff. Those who are watching, and, and I actually think this is this is gaining some serious traction, not just from Salty Bulldog, it's we be- already knew that. It's becoming like a cult, isn't it now? It is. Other social media channels are getting on the bandwagon for sleeves. I mean, there was uh, the seven AFL team on, on Twitter asked a question, um, do the Bulldogs have the best sleeves in, in the AFL? And the obvious answer to that is yes. I think mm. the hooped, I think that the hooped sleeves, it was just the plain blue sleeves, they're all right, but I think the hooped sleeves are what really make it. Got to have the bit of a debate, bit of a debate with the cats there, but no, we we tend to we're quite steadfast on on the Western Bulldogs being yeah. the lead candidates in that uh, department there. But don't, don't worry about the cats, okay? They have to start worrying about winning uh, grand finals, and that's something we uh, we will become quite used to, I think, in the near future. Well versed in when we when we get the opportunity. So oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. Four new, or oh, sorry, four Bulldogs yeah. wearing sleeves on uh, Saturday night. Three repeat offenders, shall we say? Uh, one newbie. So Lockie Hunter, Caleb Daniel and Josh Bruce were all wearing the sleeves, all already in the Hall of Fame. But the new addition is Bailey Williams. 
how this was fantastic. As soon as the first thing I saw when the broadcast started was Bailey Williams in the middle of the, in the middle of the room, camera had had him right in the center, wearing sleeves. So that was the first thing I saw for the night. That was a great way to start the game. The heart wasn't even, so as far as you're concerned, the second you saw that, it was only up from there. Was and it, it got better and better and better. Yeah, it was a good sign. It was a good omen. So straight after the match, went on and tried to try to find a photo of, of Bailey in action, was able to find it, put it straight in with the file, shall we call it. So that's that's there for all to enjoy. So Bailey Williams, welcome to the club. It is I think great that to have be, you. I think we need to include this on the actual website itself. Have you a reckon? dedicated section on there for the sleeved hall of fame and then have all the, you know, the legend status to have a picture of Lewis young and, and we'll keep going. So anything we've got <laughs> in our Twitter feed, we need to throw that onto the actual website. So we'll, we'll get working on that. I think I like, I like that idea. Yeah, we'll, I like we'll that idea. Dedicated we'll, hall of fame there. It'll be beautiful. We'll work on that and we'll be sure to include Bailey Williams in there as well. And any other Bulldogs who, and this will go on. This won't just be until the end of the season. This will go until next year as well. As we said, it is a cult everyone. Yeah. Everyone join aboard, you know, come along for the ride. Yeah, no, this this is good. Promote promote the sleeves because we are getting on top. Four Bulldogs in sleeves. And, and it's interesting too. Apparently you're wearing sleeves of right now. Of course. Of course you are. What am I got? I've got different color. We've got, well, I've got I mean, the burgundy version. You've got the blue. We just the need blue. the white. That's the problem. Yeah. So, uh, well, fans obviously can't see us, but yeah, we're wearing sleeves. I've always been a sleeve wearer. Long sleeves. Mm. It's always been better. And suits and ties. That's the way to go. Well, not so much ties. We've gone off ties. Oh, you've gone uh, off them, have you? I have, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I have gone off them. I haven't, I haven't worn them much lately. In fact, I haven't mm. really worn them much the past couple of years. Mm. Anyway, let's get back onto the football. So this was probably the... I think this is the biggest game of the season. I mean, I could you could even argue it's the biggest game, I reckon, since the final day of the 1998 season where we played North Melbourne in a, in a battle for the minor premiership. Mm. We've had a few other... Well, in terms of ones that have lived up to the hype, yes, that's definitely up there. Maybe, yeah, maybe not in terms of quality of the match, but but certainly yeah. importance because this, mm, I think indeed. this is this this game is going to put one side in, in pole position for the minor premiership, mm. and it shakes it up too, not just for for minor premiership too. Let's just say this: if we had been unsuccessful in overcoming the days, what would that put us back into level peggings with Ports? Geelong would skip a game clear of us, would they not? And I believe we'd be only just a game ahead of Brisbane or maybe even on par with them. So that shakes up the race from third right down to fifth and, and the prospect of a of potentially playing an away semi-final could have been on the cards. We'd, we'd have been fourth. We'd have been fourth, would we? So that puts would have put us potentially in danger with a couple of other teams to come. Uh, we, would have been, we would have been four points behind Geelong and we would have been six points behind Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have been a, a level with points on Port Adelaide, but ahead in with a, with a superior percentage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, then at least a game clear ahead of everyone else. So mm-hmm. this game against Melbourne, top of the table, unfortunately it was it was in front of an empty stadium. It was such a shame. 13-7-85 to 9-11-65 at the MCG. Beat them on their home patch. And it was pretty even contributions or they were rather pretty even contributions across the board. Bruce Norton, Bontempelli and Hannon each getting two goals. Uh, English Smith. That's Bailey Smith, Daniel Waitman, add that to the reel and Hugel Hagen coming up trumps very late in the last quarter, each getting a goal. McRae with a game high 38 disposals. So back on track, back to his uh, high thirties, high 30 position. I want to mention, 
want to mention on this. I don't know, I've forgotten the person's name, but I know that our, one of our favourites here, Alex Doherty, made mention in his mongrel punt autopsy. He had a crack at a particular author from the mongrel punt who removed Jackson McRae from the rolling uh, mongrel punt team of the season. After one down week, he removed him from the side. And I'm glad to hit, uh, was glad to read that Doc <laughs> called him out on that. One so game. I expect Jacko to, to definitely feature once again, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, well, well, there'll be a bit more to discuss about all Australians later in the episode. Other Indeed. notable ball winners, Caleb Daniel, I thought was brilliant. In fact, he was he, he was fantastic. 34 disposals superb, and a goal, as you mentioned. Mate, superb. He was brilliant. But I think he may well have been outdone by Marcus Bontempelli, which, you know, is there's no shame in admitting that. 31 disposals for the Bond and, and, and those two goals, as I mentioned. Uh, 775 meters gained. I, I know you know, look how I used to despise that statistic, but that's incredible numbers. I think in those sorts of conditions that we dealt with on Saturday night, I think the meters gained carries a lot more value. What about I don't know what right, you think. But that right footed pass to Jamara on the last. Oh, man. He dobs his one on the left and then he kicks it back out of the center on the right. He's a, he's gorgeous on his opposite foot, too, isn't he? He, he, he but, is. I mean, he's, oh, he's not. He's not, this is not a knock on him. He's not close to, you know, like how Sam Mitchell and Jason Ackermanis were on their opposites. But I wonder, there'd be an interesting question. You know, I'm trying to think of, are there many better players on their opposite foot in the competition going around other than Bontempelli? At the moment? I really wonder that. I'm trying to, I mean, I, well, I can't, I mean, side well, bottom, but I don't see the hype around it as much. We, we just mentioned Caleb. Caleb's a pretty good kick. Caleb is, is, is amazing for it. Yes. Some other just just going through a couple of others here. Liberatore was excellent. This was a He's really encouraging. This was a really encouraging game after what happened against Melbourne earlier in the season. Twenty-seven disposals for him, and how many clearances did he have as well? He had six clearances. Uh, a the, bit below his uh, season average, but yeah, pretty good numbers considering. And a couple of others: Hunter and Bailey Smith, each with twenty-six. Both were very good as well. Ah, oh, Smith. Now, Can we Nick, touch a little bit on him. I think we should touch a little bit on Bailey Smith because he's had a. A fantastic past six or so weeks, hasn't he now? He's bounced back beautifully from the early season and to mid-season slumber. And yep. yeah, we've I just been how they it's gonna work. Yeah, so we've spoken for law too. We've spoken about Bailey Smith and we said he's been a bit down compared to his or compared to what we have a what we're accustomed to experiencing from him. And and for the most part of the season, he was sort of really struggling, just sort of floating in between mm. sort of those mid to high teens to low twenties in terms of numbers. And, and even, in the yeah, last, so last, five weeks, mm-hmm. last five weeks, last five weeks, 31 disposals and two goals. Yeah. Against 16 West against 16. North Melbourne, but six tackles and 14 contested, which was his highest amount for the season. Up and so that was against West Coast. So apologies, but still, yep. He's kept going. He's having a good season 20, though in this back half. 27 and a goal against Sydney, 33 against the Suns, and 26 nine and a goal against uh, mm-hmm. yet yeah, nine clearances and, and 26 and a goal against Melbourne and nine tackles. Mm. And eight inside 50. So that's an interesting thing here, too, because that down patch you're referring to, it wasn't in terms of not just getting the ball, because he was still touching a couple of 20s there. It's probably more so featuring the actual clearance and inside 50 numbers he's uh, registering. So from round five up until round eight, for instance, and there's been a bit of, you know, um, up and down form after that, but that stretch there, three inside fifties, three clearances, two inside fifties, two clearances. That was against the Giants that second time. Yep. One inside 50, two clearances against Richmond. Richmond. Admittedly, he still had 27. 
and then two inside 50s and one clearance against the Blues. Mm. Those aren't the numbers we've been accustomed to from Bailey Smith. And he bounced back the week after against Port, and he's still showed enough since then. But I can't believe it. His actual Geelong stat sheet, no clearances and no inside 50s whatsoever. And I think it's a season low, or was at the time, season low 14 possessions. And only seven yeah. uncontested, which... If you're not getting the inside ball, you've got to be able to work hard on the outside. And that's, that's his only time he's dropped below double digits in that, uh, in that statistic. The more I think about it, the more I'd say sort of inconsistent with, with Bailey Smith because there's been some good mm. games sort of spanned throughout. It's not been round one where he was brilliant and probably gets three Brownlow votes. And then up until the West Coast game, he, he didn't do anything. Like he had good games, but they were mm. so just sort of spattered a bit they're more, here and there. They're more but games where you'd say he... But had well, his best games had showed he was on the top five on the ground for the most part. But then there's other matches the below the below par ones was probably more in that fifteen to twenty and even sometimes a twenty five range. This is across all players on the ground. I'd probably state, yeah. which is not what we're used to seeing from from a player of his caliber. How does this, you know, his form rather? How does it all work with the impending returns of Dunkley and Trelaw? Obviously, he's played with Dunkley last week. We expect that Dunkley will come back. Well, certainly Beveridge said in his in his post match press conference that he will or that he expects Dunkley will be back. Trelaw, alongside Easton Wood, of course. Alongside Easton Wood. Trelaw is probably still a couple of weeks away. One, maybe two. I think his his aim was round twenty one. So, so if that if so if if all goes to plan, we'll be without Trelaw this week, but we'll get him back next week. Now that will be exciting. Because when you start to really piece that midfield group back together. You get Dunkley and Trelaw. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone say Dunkley and Trelaw. It's like the Bananas Majums, you know, B1 and B2. It just flows, doesn't it? What, what, what do you They're reckon? I just still can't believe that Trelaw wasn't with Dunkley at the coffee shop. It's amazing how that didn't even happen. <laughs> so the, the, the Dunkley and Trelaw phrase, for me, I, I feel is as common as any sort of commentator using the phrase, the dogs love to flick it around. I hear that one a don't, lot. Please don't. So I hear that one every that. time, especially when it rains, particularly when it rains. I, that's like interesting it's, it's, too about that because it was when it was raining, that's generally our go-to game, isn't it? And yeah, last time we thought we overpossessed the ball in certain situations, you know, whether it's more from pressure and stuff and we try to back our way out of it or back our way through it, sorry. But we didn't deviate from that game plan, but we seemed to be a little bit less reliant on it, didn't we? Yeah, at least that's what I that's what I picked up from that match, anyhow. So is are we so are you talking about Saturday or the are you talking about the last Saturday? Yeah, okay. Saturday, anyhow. I just got to double check that with a lot of our games just to just to see if I'm saying the right things. Now, that's, I believe so. With yeah, that's the with, well, that's the lowest we've had in a in a while, actually, in terms of handballs passes. Well, it wasn't. I mean, so I, I had the the numbers here, and what struck me that's crazy. Uh, was the number of, of kicks that players were having. So Bontempelli, 24 kicks, seven hand passes. Bailey Dale, 20 kicks, four hand passes. Bailey Smith, 18 kicks, eight hand passes. Jeray, 13 kicks, four hand passes. Shaki, we'll talk about Shaki, well, 12 kicks, five hand passes. Bailey Williams, 10 kicks, three hand I passes. Wonder. So high, high, high kick to hand pass ratio. Yeah, so I want to see what that actually refers to here. So let's have a look. So... 221 kicks, 144 hand passes. That's a ratio of 1.53 kicks per hand pass. So I wonder where that would feature. Not that we're going to notice the, the top of the season. Our head, but 
I wonder how high that would be because generally for the most part, we tend to feature roughly at a best case scenario around 1.25. If we're touching 1.3, that's, uh, you know, incredible heights for us. So that's very, very uncharted territory for us, I'd probably say. You mentioned, and I'm not sure whether you said this on the podcast or whether you said this outside of the recording, going back to the Melbourne game early in the season, you felt like the Bulldogs, because I, I questioned in that game yeah, that we kept doing this. From the win? No, that, that, that we kept doing the same thing. So we kept oh, the switches, switching yeah. the play and, and it just wasn't working. And, and it felt like we there was no plan B. And I've mentioned, I've, we've spoken about plan Bs at times during the year, but it, it, this was a different sort of, searching for plan B because it felt like we weren't even trying to do something that clearly wasn't working, but you suggested that we may have been holding a couple of cards close to our chest and not revealing the full hand. Do you think a few more of those cards were played on Saturday? A couple. couple. I still think there's a a few more hidden away. And of course those hidden cards, no doubt are our, our inside ball dominance, which comes through with, you know, Dunkley and then the outside ball coming through for law because those two guys haven't featured for, obviously Dunks for once, but those two guys haven't featured for a long time together. And it's just another dynamic aspect that adds to our midfield because that's been interesting with our contested ball numbers and such. They're not reaching the heights as they had previously earlier in the year. Or if they are, it's more in spurts, you know, when, when the side has to. Because yep. I think that was, our, that was our greatest differential conceded uh, in terms of contested balls, so minus 23. Yeah. We were minus 18 against the days early shift. And for us generally, if you're losing the you know, contested ball by about 20 plus, that's a shellacking, especially in those conditions too. But for us to be able to not hang on, does it say more about adapt in different ways? Yeah, it was very Does it say more about us or Melbourne that we lost the contested possession by 23, which is a smashing that 20, 2016 Bulldogs would win by that every week? For the most it, part, yeah. Those does are, it say more? Up. Does it say more about us that we're able to win despite that, or Melbourne that they weren't able to win? I think it probably highlights more for us being able to win because very rarely, I mean, in the round eleven game, I didn't feel disheartened at that particular loss. It it, it annoyed me, but there was still a lot of good things I could take from it. And saying there's there's a lot more to give. Okay, so it didn't um, drag me down with this one. I didn't feel in particular that Melbourne raised their game to match what we did. The only times I thought when they did so, it was more due to our drop-off, okay? And we sort of allowed them to creep back into the game itself instead of them raising their intensity to to match us. And I think that's even seen via the, for instance, even the first quarter where it was, you know, not bucketing down, but it was still, you know, going at at a good clip. And I think our... What was it? What do you call it? The pressure rating that we were in the high at low 200s. And I think Melbourne were just in the mid 180s, which is pretty dreadful considering you'd expect the first term to be quite hot and heated. And even in those conditions, you know, where you're thinking there's going to be plenty of contestable, plenty of clearances. And I think Gorn had already like 20 hitouts by, by quarter time, which says there's a lot of football being fought on the ground, isn't there? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you're sort of going to expect that in those conditions as well. Hmm. That there's going to be a lot of stoppages. Normal, to be honest. Even more than normal. And they didn't raise themselves up to that level, which is very interesting. You but mentioned you mentioned Bontempelli's minute earlier where he's kicked hmm. the goal on his left foot in the last quarter. They've gone back Thank to the you, middle. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. And then he's won the clearance on his non-preferred foot. will hit Jamara Eaglehagen and lace out. 
on the chest, on the lead. Now, Jamar, that's the sort of service you're going to get in the yeah. AFL. You're not, you're not going to see foot straight off the ball like that. Not just Bontempelli's minute. What about Jamara's minute? The old seven-point play. I didn't even get a point, actually. So no. it's the old six-point play without the point. So fantastic. And the and the shepherd on on Lever to set up uh, Hannon's goal from for Jamara as well. But in terms of Bontempelli's minute, I compare that to Cody Waitman's minute. Which one was oh, better? Please. Please Which educate me. I just, want, I just want to hear Waitman's minute again. Just okay, for the sake so, so Loggy Hunter's got the ball on the wing. Uh, he's kicked it to half forward. Oh, big max score on 208 centimetres, head and shoulders above the pack. Easy intercept mark coming. We've seen this before. Action <laughs> replay and encore. What was it Liam Ryan? And who else was it? Someone else that did the same I think thing was, too. Was it, was it Mitch Georgiades? Mitch was Georgiades. That's Georgiades? the one I'm uh, and I'm sure there was a, there was another one as well. I feel like there? there's others too. There's, there's probably a whole collection of them. Just got the Google <laughs> I'm, I'm, highlights right there. There was definitely another one. Whether, whether uh, it's Gorn getting hangers taken on him or him, him kicking behinds from 15 metres out dead in front, you know, there's a whole collection and array for Max Gorn highlights on YouTube. This one was different though. So Cody Waitman, the flea, has flown in from the side out of nowhere. He was up there forever. <laughs> he, would just, he, just, he just didn't come down. He, he was, was enjoying the view as far as And then he's coming from the side. He's fallen over the top of backsword. He's taken the most unbelievable mark in such difficult conditions. And he's gone, he fell so gracefully. That's the impressive thing. That was it. He's gone forward and then he's kicked the soccer goal off the ground. Is that the mark of the year? Well, that's interesting because there's a couple. There was another great mark the following day from him. It was. It was actually a really. It was actually a good weekend for, for marks. There were a lot of great marks at the weekend. Oh, it's it's amazing. It seems like we're getting back to some good, good watchable football again, aren't we? Even though it doesn't appear to be the case, that it seems like a bit of the fun's come back. And I don't know whether that's just because simply that we won on the weekend that makes everything seem fun. But no, I think I think the wheels turning again in football, and I think it has definitely a, a strong correlation to Steve Hocking leaving the the, the CEO role. So <laughs> I think that's pretty much the main reason for it. Don't know, don't know, don't know about that. Don't know about that. Can, can you can you split them? Bontempelli's minute and Waitman's minute. Uh, Waitman's is definitely more glamorous, and but Bontempelli's one definitely sums it up for him, and it it highlights the golf at least this year. Anyway, so he's been a fantastic player for a long time, but in terms of this respective season, this is, this is next level, golf. isn't it? This is next level. It highlights the golf between he and the rest. Okay, it's not just you know challengers or, or whoever it is or those trying to steal his throne because he hasn't got the throne by any means yet. But you might as well just give it to him because he's a you know a golf or two or major class above the others out there. You know, people keep talking about Petrarca and stuff. I didn't see him at all in the final term when the match was there to be won. Neither. He still had, he still had six touches in that final term. All of us seven, but I barely noticed them. Who do you reckon? Do you reckon is three more votes for Bontempelli? Yeah, probably. I've lost track of how many he's on. I think um, it's. I think ESPN has got him on twenty nine. I think the AFL Brownlow predictor has him on about the same. I would think that's a bit high. I think there's. I think they've given him a couple of votes where I, I don't think he'd get mm. them. But yeah, probably for the for the reputation and name factor. So look, it'd be like yeah. minimum twenty, minimum twenty five. Yeah, it's about twenty five at the moment. Uh, I would say, though, in, in fairness, I know you said that Petrarca and Oliver were, were pretty quiet. I'd say Oliver was probably best on ground at halftime, though. He was, but I don't know. It's a bit different with him. I think he had 47% kicking efficiency. I think when the game needed to be won, pardon me, I think when the game needed to be won, 
Bontempelli was the man. That's the thing. That's the thing. Exactly what I'm getting at there. That highlights yeah. the gulf between he and the rest. Yeah. Because the size of the rest. Yeah. Because that is what match winner does. Yeah, they're very great players. When you need them, they get the ball and they and they do something constructive. And their Bontempelli broke the game open in a minute that last quarter. Exactly. Well, we were four points or ten points. Four, oh, points, we up. four points up. So he kicks the goal, 16, 16, and then it becomes sixteen. Later. Yep. Yeah. And there there's, there's the game. Let's. Mm. Talk, let's go back to the other end of the ground. So there's lots of news coming through with all, all the key defenders. We'll get with the the, um, the the brief news firstly, is that uh, Zane Cordy has been fined by the match review officer uh, for striking. I'm just going to get the specific details up uh, about this one. Uh, let me see if I can find Are you them. sure? Are you sure it was Cordy misspoiling a ball and accidentally clocking someone in the draw? Well... What I, I found, what I found really interesting, what surprised me was that Cordy had been uh, or had been issued a fine for striking, and why I find that so odd is because it means that he must have been within five meters of his direct opponent. <laughs> oh no, you're tough, God. Oh, I don't think God. I've seen that God all season. <laughs> so that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, I guess his reach is is further than what, oh, no. what I was going to give him credit for. Oh no. Uh, so I think that was fifteen hundred dollars down to a thousand with an early plea. So I'd su- suggest so. I don't remember yeah. the incident though at all, to be honest. No, no, neither. But he's he's still available to play this week. One who won't be available to play though is Alex Keith. Now I did issue an apology at the top of the show. Unfortunately, it's not going to count for much. Uh, people we'll give, we'll, we'll give them our hamstrings though we're happy to donate that if required yeah, absolutely if necessary so definitely you can hand it over after uh, no no for sure after talking him up all week saying we can't win the premiership without him we're now effectively we can win the premiership we're, we're now effectively one and zero without him oh, <laughs> against, against, against top of the table melbourne of all teams mm, this is good this is this is perfect you know it's all coming together you know it's all it's like it's like sam power last year stirring that yeah. you know wizard's pot adding jamara hugel hagen and adam trelaw to the mix and then Stephen martin with a bit more spice in there yeah so all the even though only one of those players is featuring in the team at this point in time it's very interesting isn't it <laughs> All the ingredients are coming together and coming out of the pot. Right, right at the right time. Keith will miss about three to four weeks, I think. It's only a low-grade one. Yeah, that's from does, Chris, Chris Bell, the physio yes. there. Apparently it does have a history of hamstring injuries, which was news 20, to me. Um, 2019, he featured a little bit there. I don't remember exactly what the talk was, though. Um, he did have a, a fracture in his leg. Ah, uh, uh, yes. that's when, the During the 2019 off-season, which, uh, which was a big talking point at the time, but it wasn't hamstring-related. It was, so I'm not sure on that one, but three to four, three to four weeks that he's expected to be out for. Hopefully that means he comes back maybe for the last game of the home and away season against Port Adelaide and then gets a couple gets another week off before we head into the finals or he is brought straight back in for the final. We assume it will likely be a qualifying final now. Well, I found something here. This is, this is a while ago though, to be fair. Um, I'll just casually look it up here. So it mentioned that Alex Keefe did suffer, um, respective hamstring injuries in 2017. I've got it here. Um, April 19, 2017, he suffered. At least he was two to three weeks away at that point in time. Was he Crows. on a, the Crows list then? It's 2017, 18 and 19. And 19. I would like to say 2016, but don't hold me to that. I won't. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. But if he's going to be out for a month, it, needs, it means that we need to find a replacement. Enter Josh Shackey. Now... When the teams came out, and I, I mentioned this at the time, when the teams came out, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. 
I've I've not always agreed with uh, Beverly. Twenty sixteen. Sorry, twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay, so it's a few years ago though. It's a few years ago now though. Five five years. I've been critical of Bevo's shenanigans in the past. I did love selection bingo the, if we want selection bingo Bevo shenanigans, whatever term you want to phrase or whatever phrase you want to coin. I love this. This is this is Lou Beveridge saying I have no fear. He's given the massive no finger to everyone. He here, has. I think. He did it to That's us the during the. There. He did it to us when we questioned his. Um, we questioned his team. He had uh, he had Cordy and the Ruck Dre on board. Yeah, Daniel at center half forward. I'm pretty sure as well. Yeah, I think he had East. Uh, he had Eastern Waterfall forward that night as well. That was another <laughs> one too. It was amazing. He, Aaron, I love he just calls back. it out too. He's like he takes the piss, but he actually yeah. admits it, which is even better. Yeah, this was different he, though because this 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 was him deciding right. Well, we know Melbourne's strength is in their height. We're mm. going to fight fire with fire. We're just going to match him in the air. That's, and, you mentioned that. That's one of the rarest things we've done. Yeah. Because genuinely, as you know, for the, and as we've re- reiterated, genuinely, we've backed ourselves, haven't we? Yeah. We've stuck with plan, not that we don't have plan B, but we've stuck a lot with plan A. And we've we, tried we to, back, to merge plan A with B at times even. We back ourselves to get the opposition to play the game on our terms. Mm. Rather so than, respect there, rather than countering what the opposition mm. do. Mm. So the other thing was people, from the moment the teams were selected, crying out they were doing this on the broadcasters as well on, on channel seven oh it's you know they got norton and they got bruce and then they've got yugel hagen down there how are they going to fit shacky into this forward line and the answer is they they, still need, they still need to find room for whiteman to take marks on top of people's heads yeah that's the real thing they weren't they were anyone who's, who's sort of listened to us because we floated this idea a few weeks ago i'm not sure which episode it was but we definitely floated this idea might have been and, with doc i'm guessing Perhaps possibly with Doc. Possibly, so. possibly. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, but what I do know is we definitely raised the possibility of answering that second key back solution with Josh Shackey. That came up. And then what we saw shortly afterwards, maybe even a week or two, which proves clear that the Magic Committee listened to us because you know we've, we've got all the good ideas. They were playing Shackey in the back line in the VFL. And he looked good down there. Well, so much so, so much so about that is that the idea of Shaki playing key defence for us certainly made Alex Rance question his, uh, you know, his profession and decided to come out of a, uh, you know, sort of retirement to represent the Essendon VFL team on the weekend and thinking, there's a spot for me here. How am I going to get in there with Shaki there now? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Well, it wouldn't be the first player we've pinched off under, uh, under Essendon's nose. Not at all. Thank you, Soup and Dixon. Oh, beautiful, beautiful people. And Scott. And Anthony, yes, yes, and, yes. And, there's a few. And, and Trelaw, I suppose, as well, and Dunkley. Oh, but oh, what you're at it, but just say, just say this to them too. Also, apparently, we stole Marcus Bont and Pelly from Essendon's, under Essendon's shoes, even though they had didn't have a first round draft pick in 2013. Oh so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's what Dodaro right. says. I would have drafted the Bont. Yes, I'm sure you would have with pick 38, <laughs> mate. I'm sure you would have. Of course, anyone would. So Shaki's defensive night. We said 17 disposals, six marks. Two of those, uh, two intercept marks, two contested marks, seven intercept possessions. Three one percent is two spoils. 15 pressure racks. 15 pressure racks. 76% efficiency. So quite, quite efficient. Four rebounds from the defensive 50. How do you rate his game? Because we've we've raved about it a, a bit, but let's let's take it seriously for, for a moment. Charles Sutton medalist right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I gave I gave him an eight in the play ratings. 
And there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, I bumped up the defenders' scores in general quite well, given how well that they played despite being without the man that we can't win the premiership without for the whole game against the top of the... Absolutely stuffed, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, against the top of the table, Melbourne. I think they they all deserve a lot of credit, but this is the first time that Shaqy played in the back line. What did I I, uh, mention to you yesterday or last night at, what was it? 89%. He's only spent 0.2% of his career or something. That was a down back or something like that. Yeah, I'll have to All try. those and... numbers. I'm yeah, going to find those numbers, actually. Yeah, I'll have to but try. Yeah, 80, 89% or so of his game was on the – or down back anyways on the weekend, which is which is fantastic. That's – yeah, that's that's incredible, I think. If you happen to find these numbers for me, then go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I'll still look. having a, a look for them. Okay, so from rounds uh, – so from 20, 2016 yeah. to round uh, 18 – 2021, 2021 so obviously against the gold coast game 0.2 percent he'd spent 2.2 percent of that entire time in playing defense. down back at the weekend he spent 89.5 percent in the back line obviously that included stints in the in the ruck as well so it wasn't exclusively a, defender what did he get he featured in let me double check that he featured in oh god all these numbers too many numbers here three center bounces yep 18 ruck contests, four hit outs. Unfortunately, none of those to advantage. So clearly he's no Lewis Young in the ruck. <laughs> no. But I did not mind Shaki in the ruck, actually, because the, the term is genuinely coined, isn't it? Ruck forward, is it not? Yes, and they love a ruck forward. I finally saw someone mention defender ruck. Defender ruck. It doesn't, ring off, doesn't roll off the tongue, doesn't it? As, it, as easy as ruck forward or forward it, ruck. But yeah. it, it doesn't, but you know what? It's not a bad thing. Because let's say, for instance, they want to rest him English. Now, normally they would have put English forward. You've got Bruce, or Josh, Bruce, Norton, yes, exactly. Bruce, Bruce Norton and English going forward. Now they've got Eugle Hagen forward. They've, they've already got the three tools down there. So what English can do is he can either have a rest on the bench or he can just drift down into the into defense, just, just yeah, help out the defense. Holder, which, is, yeah. which is fantastic. It's, it's coming together, isn't it? It is. Oh, and, Sam, and I was going to say Sam Wizard, Sam Power, you mastermind. Sam and we sort of spoke about this last week in terms of that that structure. You know, do you go with Eugle Hagen or, or Jordan Sweet? We sort of said that you, because if you pick Sweet, you let English go forward. If you pick Eugle Hagen, you have uh, English be the ruck and then chop out in the defense. And then someone like Josh Shackey can come in and ruck. And Shackey has played in the ruck for the Bulldogs in the past, even when he was used as a forward. He's been, he's been utilized as a relief ruckman. I really like this game from him. I was I was calling for it. I was that confident in Shaki. I put him in my Supercoach side for those who, who play Supercoach. I did the numbers. There's about 170,000 Supercoaches out there with teams. How only, many had it? How many had him? Only four brought him in this week. <laughs> only only four. four people. I was one of the four. There, he's been picked out of 170,000. thousand. He's been picked by 149 teams. Jeez. So we've got here actually with the with the Shack. So what do we say? 89.5% of his game yep. was spent down back. He spent 95% of the match on the ground. Uh, so 104 Supercoach points for you, you know, Herald Sun followers uh, out there. It's I got 90, 91. It should be scaled up, actually. No, this, is, even... this has got it scaled up here, apparently. So I don't oh, know. Okay. No, I've got, well, I've got I'll the... trust yours, though, because yours got it. Yeah, you, I've got the app. Them. So so 91. Uh, and for any Supercoaches out there, he's still he says he's been robbed. 214,000. So, you know, so what's he he's, got? So he's got two games of before he gets a break even and a well, price rise. Yeah. So his price, price will rise. go up this week if he scores well again. So, yeah. super coaches out there, put him in. For, and, yeah. For the super coaches out there, also Alex Keefe with a tremendous three. Oh, God, that's bad. <laughs> oh, dear. 
David Anthony, oh my God, Anthony Scott scored more than Johannesson, 34 versus 25. How does that even happen? Not sure. He didn't spend a lot. He only spent half the time on the ground, really, spent, Scott, which is uh, a bit odd. 57% time on ground, JJ 80. What do you find interesting here, though? We got, who we got here? Uh, Cody Waitman, just the 65% on the ground. Does that surprise you? Actually, it does. It does. Uh, bear in mind, of course, that the Bulldogs spent the last quarter down to three on the bench. So Ed Richards suffered that concussion late in the third term. He won't play this week at least. Uh, we know because of the mandatory concussion protocol. Then he's going to stretch a bench. So you're going to have players who are spending a lot less time on the on the ground than you would. So Scott played 57% of the game. He was Richards, the sub, but he was brought on about 10 minutes into the first quarter. So yeah, you got, still would have expected to play a lot Keith more than that. Playing, Keith played apparently here 10%, 10% of the match. Oh, well, maybe if the game's 120 minutes long, then that's, let's say that's 12, 12 minutes. minutes. Then you've got, who else was here? It's quite low ones. You said Waitman, 65. Jamar Hagen 67%. Rourke Smith, yep, 76%. Right. It's a bit like the old days where you've got your designated is, four on the bench and they barely get a look yeah, at you. That's the thing. Well, it's just like Alex Keith, you know, saying, well, what was it, Kate Simpson? Played for like six minutes in his debut or something like that. I don't know how that even happens in this didn't, day and age. Didn't get a kick at his, didn't, didn't get touch a, the ball in his first three games. Yep, amazing. You could, you could say he wasn't ready. Oh, no. You just <laughs> have to say that. You just have to say that. Well, I mean, once I think it's a beauty. thing. Uh, very good win, though, on the weekend. Very important win. It's a fantastic. Sets it right up, doesn't it, now? It, it does. So the Bulldogs are now half a game. Uh, sorry, no, their percentage clear on Geelong. Comfortably so, 7.8% clear. It's about, it's about eight goals. I think we had like an 85-point swing on them. Again, don't hold me, but I think it's about that. I think it's a 14, was a 14-goal swing. Can you imagine if if Gary Rowan had to kick that goal? Don't. We don't want to bring that up, please. I, don't, I know I don't want to, but... Just, just, just don't, don't, even, don't even contemplate it. That night ruins me. And I had other friends watching and witnessing what was unfolding there and many other random people. So we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, I'd rather not. But I, I I can't help but think about it. What 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 could have been? Well, I suppose what still could be, but I mean, you know, what would have definitely been had had that not happened? It doesn't matter. I've gone from the opinion of after that Geelong game, after the loss to them, that's it, we're making the grand final, to from Alex Keefe's, Getting injured, we cannot do this. We need him. We're stuffed. And now we got. And now we got Josh Shackey. And now we're back. That's it. He's the Go best centre half back of the competition. Go for is, the four I, I see a lot of similarities between Shackey and Liam Jones. And Liam Jones turned his career around to great effect at Carlton when he moved into the back line. He was a much superior contested mark, but probably Shackey's got. He's probably got him on endurance and and composure. I'd say Shackey has it in him though. He Shackey has he, it in him. Can, that contested mark. Yeah, definitely. I think he, I'm trying to recall what exactly it was in the 2015 Nationals. He either he either broke the goal kicking record for it, or he broke the record for most contested marks. I think he broke the goal kicking record. I think he broke the goal kicking record. Whatever it is, he can take contested marks. He can do it. I just haven't seen him a lot now, but he can do it. Probably hasn't hasn't yeah been physically ready, but in a backline role where you've not got an opponent worrying about you. And you, all you need to focus on is the ball. You don't need to worry about your your opponent. No, it, it's given that freedom. What needs to be done, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, in terms of what is ahead for the future, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty, particularly even even to this week against Adelaide. So we were supposed to be playing them in Ballarat 
on Sunday, last Sunday, just gone. Then that got swapped around, obviously, with the Melbourne fixture. So we're now going to play them this week. And we were supposed to play them at the MCG. It's likely that's now been changed so that we're playing them in Ballarat again. We're just playing them a week later. So this isn't confirmed. Uh, Tom Morris was reporting today that the likely likely fixture shift for the Bulldogs will be early Sunday start against Adelaide Mm. at Mars Stadium, Ballarat. And that goes with with the words where the pies are personally requesting to play was it the eagles who they're playing is it west coast i'm sure they're playing this week. um they're meant to be that they are hoping to play them at least on a saturday or early saturday and even would then allow the eagles a bit more time regarding quarantine if well to sort out those matters but you know everything you know constantly keeps swapping and changing every now and then so it's utter madness at this point in time then yeah mm-hmm. a little bit of things starting to come together now it is. Uh, the Eagles? There was, there was oh, one. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Oh, right. we'll, we'll, we'll stick with the Eagles for the heck of it. Because we didn't, because I wanted to ask you this question. I sort of jumped the gun a bit too quickly. Obviously, Keith comes out. Who, who would come in to replace Keith? Well, or or mm-hmm. do we? Are we talking key possession or are we talking just Well, do we, do we back Shaki and Cordy in? That would be very dangerous, I would think. But do oh, we're we? Back to, we're back to Young and Cordy in a final. So I think we could probably back Shaggy and Oh God, I was actually I was actually reading over that particular game. Trent Gove as well was down there too for that final, though. To be fair. Hey, what? Which we're talking one was about. This? We're talking about 2019. He didn't play that day. Trent Gove. Trent Gove didn't. Trent Gove. No, he didn't. Are you he sure? Yes, hundred percent. No, the Dixon, of course. But yeah, no, no Trengo did well, not then who play. Were our, who were our three key backs that day? Because I'm sure we had three. Young, my... Cordy, and Wood. That's it. Oh, and wow. you might as well have the 18 players because the ball was down that back part far too much. 76 <laughs> that day. That was nuts. Okay. So, all right. Well, that that well then I've I've been found out because I was sure Trengo was playing that day. Okay. So what do we what do we do then? Dunkley used to come back. Richard is to go out as well. So there's at least two changes. Mm-hmm. It would be very, very harsh to drop anyone. Although there were a couple of quiet performers, it would be you'd, you'd have to be considered pretty unlucky to be dropped after getting a win against the uh, top ranked side. But we've got to make at least two changes. So Richards comes out. You imagine Dunkley will come in. So there's one. What do we do with Keith I though? I wonder. That's the thing because I'm sure we've got a question on that. I believe we believe we, we do actually. Too. So we'll so this definitely was from, reference that here. This was from at Moon Patrol Thirty Three. Doctor Jason says, "Do we have any tall defenders left waiting in the wings? Keith and Garner out for a while. I'm concerned if we lose another. I would be too concerned if we do. Yes, lose another. I would be because we're right, now we've still got the shack. We're now using center half forwards <laughs> at center half back. Oh uh, no, we only turn center half backs into center half forwards, not the other way around. Can What's we, wrong with that? Can we address the suggestion of throwing? The guy that I think, let me just get this up uh, here. I do just want to confirm this. But can we put to bed the suggestion of putting the guy that is equal fifth in the Coleman or the guy that is 10th of the Coleman down back? What can about, the guy, just, that's, what about just... the guy that's 191st in the Coleman? I don't know if that's the exact number. What about Jamara Ugelhagen down oh, back? Goodness me. Can we, just, <laughs> can, we, can we just put it out there that Bruce has kicked 43 goals Norton has kicked 36 goals. They're not playing down back. No, not at all. You've not, seen we're not, we're people, not playing you've them down seen back. how no putrid our forward structure was against this against the Swans without Norton. Do not risk it. And Norton's, Do not. 
Norton's switch into the forward line was born out of the fact that Beveridge wanted to win games rather than save them. I love that. And that's exactly the way that he coaches. And because was, of you bringing that up, I would expect us to, I would expect us actually to say, screw this, we're going small ball. <laughs> I tell, that's what I'm, that's what I think is probably the case in terms of the key defenders. It'll just be back in the shack and Cordy. Because we don't have to worry too much about it this week. You know, we've got Tex Foggy. and then, and Fogarty. That's a, that's about it, genuinely, in terms of tall timber. Well, possibly Phil Thorpe. I don't know. I don't think he played uh, last week. Is he is he injured or is he? I just personally not don't do not know. I just know that he signed a th- not picked. You reckon? So that's he didn't like play. Tomorrow not being picked. Interesting. Well, if they're not going to play Phil Thorpe, they should trade him. No, they should trade him to Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Not? I mean, I mean, we've, I mean, he's number two pick. They've invested a lot of effort into him. If they're not going to pick exactly. him, they should trade him to Hawthorne for exactly Devin right. Price. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Kane Corns, for that original idea right there. We should also, they should also trade him from South Australia to WA at Tom's, I think. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Oh, no. What else is there? I'm trying to no, think of key, we'll defenders. Uh, key defenders. So, no Keith, no Garner. Uh, we've got Lewis Young still, uh, who actually... He's, but he's, a, played more, he's played more forward. He has. He barely, he, barely featured down back against the Roos and even against the... I forgot, the Swans. the Swans. That's right. I think he featured up forward... For North out of necessity because we didn't have Norton for the second half. I don't know what they're doing with him against Sydney though. I think it was high 80% though. I'm pretty sure it was on the high 80s for where he featured in that particular North Melbourne game in terms of positions as a forward. So I know what you mean, but yeah, it's a bit interesting there. I'm off the track his heat map. He is, he he was on the injury list, an ankle injury, but it's only a test. So there's every possibility that we will see him. Ah, I wonder, wonder that'll be be it. We've forgotten how, I don't know how we've forgotten this. So Richards and Keith go out, Dunkley and Easton Wood go in. That'll be it. I mentioned Wood before. You did, but but I'm, I'm, but it didn't come up in this discussion. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Well, that, that makes complete sense to me. That's the small ball right there. And since we mentioned Wood then, what what becomes of what becomes of Crozier? Well, this is another one. Crozier has not been in the best of form this year. I think we've addressed this a, a couple of times now. So when I put up the one, one of my favourite ever photos of Simon Goodwin, who was utterly stunned <laughs> about the fact uh, that we still had where is it here. Uh, Dunkley, Trelaw, Wood, Martin, Vandermeer, Keith Richards, and Gardner to come back into the side. Some people seem to think that uh, Vandermeer and Gardner aren't actually in the best 22. And a couple of others as, as well. Uh, actually, I think someone might have suggested Richards as well. What I will say in oh, response Richard, to... Richards is best 22. Uh, no, not for in our eyes, but he's, yeah. every time he's been generally fit, he's been straight into the side. Vandermeer so. and Gardner are exactly the same. So anyone who's, anyone who's questioning that, I would suggest either isn't paying much attention to those individuals or isn't paying much attention to the bulldogs in general. So I've not gone, when I've done that, I've not gone and just named listed every single player on the injury list because that's not the point. The we could point do that is, if we want though. Could absolutely we could we make could. a mention. We could say we're also missing Chris Grant from 2001 and you know Brad Johnson <laughs> yeah. from 2006 too while there's we're at a, it. Yeah there's there's a reason why we we list those players because those players fit a full complement of players. Everyone fit in the in the squad. All of those guys, Dunkley, Trelaw, Wood, Martin, Vandermeer, Keith, Richards, Gardner, all in. All in the best 22. Yep. And, and no no debating that. Even there might be a couple no. of questions. But there's very, very, very strong 
arguments for every single one of them. Yeah, if they're fit, they're in that side. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they're playing or who they've just beaten. They'll all come into that side if they're fit. Vandermeer and, and Gardner in the last couple of years have been picked every single week. They've been fit, and and, and you've seen it too with our zippy forwards. You know, Garcia yep. and then Whiteman too. Yeah, add in Vandermeer. That's a lot of speed. Yeah, and and yep. and if you're going to play three tools, you need a lot of speed. Speed complement them at ground level, and that's a. And this is a bit of protection here for Hannon. And he did a good job, apparently, on Stephen May, according to Luke Beveridge. Yeah. And that's what he's got. He does have a lot of zip. He's, he's well, he's at third. To, well, I suppose he's like a fourth tall now, given that they've he's got one, Norton Bruce. He's one night. Exa- no, exactly. Yeah, one night. He's, he was yeah. good. I still can't get over how he was our full forward in the VFL flag. <laughs> but I can't well, remember. It's not, it's, not, it's not tall. I mean, it's not short, no. rather. No, 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 not at all. He's not a mid-sized forward. He's that's a genuine third tall these days. Mm. I think he remember in the Vaffa. I've forgotten what side he played for, but I'm pretty confident that he was named best on ground in either the 2014 or the 2015 uh, Vaffa Grand Final or the Amateurs Div One or something like that. Quite confident. But we spoke about this last week as well with all of those names to come back in. So Vandermeer and Gardner, we can you know if you if you're following their playing history and the Bulldogs selection history. It's quite clear that those two will play once they're fit. Uh, Gardner is still likely either for the last round of the home and away season or potentially back for final. So about the same time as Keith at this point. Vandermeer played in a scratch match at the weekend. He played in the first half. He did some running exercises, I imagine, in the second half. Or didn't really play the second half. So they'll probably want a bit more from him, but they're looking to get him back in. There's no doubt about that. And I think a lot of soft I think, tissue for him, isn't it? So they want to be very cautious yeah. with him. Well, that's an, it's a knee, isn't it? It's a knee, yeah. not a not a soft tissue. This that, particular that's injury. a positive thing. That's yeah. a positive thing. But the, one, if there's a tendency to to have a bit of a correlation between the knee and those soft tissue injuries, there possibly, hopefully not, because possibly. I've seen it sometimes too. If the knees flare, that they get a bit of weakness around the hamstrings in that region. But well, touch wood, not the case. Richards, I think, is under the same umbrella. Maybe people externally don't rate him in the best twenty-two, but he's been picked when he's been fit. Dunkley, Trelaw, Wood, Martin, Keith. I don't think he can have any arguments over that lot. Uh, so it'll be great to have that lot back. So, and, so we'll have 35 players uh, in the best ready 22. to go for the first final. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we can do this. Yeah, that, 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 would, be, uh, that would be ideal, barring no more injuries. Well, and well, Apparently we play with a plus three advantage every week. So what's another 12 more on top of that? So go yeah. on. Thank you, umpires. Why not? Actually, I would like to put this put this out there very quickly because I was looking through the rule book at the, the weekend on, on the AFL website. It's pretty extensive. Uh, but I couldn't find anywhere where it said the free kick count has to be even. If there's a, if there's a critic of the of the umpires favoring the bulldogs who can find that for me, please bring this to my attention. I, I, if if it does say in the rule book somewhere the free kick count has to be even, I would like to be made aware of this. So if if it does would, exist, if you can find it, naysayers, please uh, please hit me up. Let me know because I'd be I'd be very keen to that discover too. that. Have something on that too, just to further back it up. I just got to find it though. We might get but some on while things, you're doing that. Oh, we here might we go. Get no, some, sorry, here we go. No, you do go. have it. So the free kick counts, as we know, was twenty five to eleven. Yep. Okay. So generally, yeah, it's a bit of a discrepancy, fair, fair. But what people don't really check out is that how each free kick is categorised. So for us, we got six free kicks and conceded zero for holding the man, okay? So for one that says that we're at the ball, we just play the ball and that is it there, okay? We don't hold the playback and there's nothing stupid. So that's a six and oh number there. And then we go to push in the back too. The numbers are six and one. Okay, in our favor. 
that again is a lack of discipline. Yeah, so well, you take that, those that's numbers right there. That's twelve yeah. to one right there. You take away those numbers just for the sake of it, and what's that? Fourteen to ten, and it, no yeah. one bats a bloody eyelid. It's a, it, yeah, it's the discipline that makes a big difference, doesn't it? That's when the you, thing. When you that's break it down thing. like that, that's the main thing. It is what we don't give away. It's not the fact that we keep getting particular free kicks for for these reasons. It's the fact we don't give away stupid free kicks. Yeah, that is the main thing. No, I, I agree. But still, if anyone can find in the rule book where the free kick count is even, I'd, I'd like to know. So please show me. At Franchise Player, with the first question, I like this question, and it's getting towards that time as well where we start thinking about it. And we, we mentioned it a little earlier on. Which dogs make your all-strength squad a 40 and which ones crack the 22? Four names come to mind, potentially fifth for the squad. Um, mm. I'll, you'll be able to pick me up if, if there's anything, uh, anyone I'm missing out on. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I think uh, I, I, I don't know if he makes John Ralph's best 22 still, but I think Bontepelli makes the squad of 40, possibly even the 22, possibly, no, possibly. The question is, will he make Cooper Gretsch's team of the week? That's he's, the main thing. He's got to lock down a spot in the Bulldogs' best 22 firstly. So Bontepelli, McRae, uh, Bailey Dale. I think that's more of a, an AA40 for Dale. Yeah, the other I two think. are lock in the 22. Yeah, uh, Liberatore. Definite 40. And another one, and another one, another one who I think is probably squad of forty, just because of the fact he's underrated and he'll now miss a bit of football. Alex Keith, I think Keith's season yeah. is very underrated, but I don't. I think he'll make the squad. I think he deserves to make the squad. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the twenty-two, but that that's mine. So I've I got, think, I've got. No, no, I, I would agree with that. All of those candidates you put there, I've got three especially. that are in there. So Bontepelli and McRae on the forward flanks. And Liberatore on, <laughs> on the bench. Of course. <laughs> And oh, then no. Dale and Keith in the squad. Mm. That's not, what do you reckon? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be debating that. And we could. Again, this is all hypotheticals. It'd be interesting to have suggested had Dunkley not received that particular injury earlier in the year. He was probably on track for AA twenty two. Oh. We're only going by. We're only going by the first six rounds. But the way he was going. You wouldn't have expected anything less from at least another ten high standard games. And if if you're playing fifteen to sixteen A minus to A plus type games, you're a yeah, you're pretty you're much in. I think he was so, he was lead, he was either leading the the salty bullet player of the year count, or he was a very close second at that stage. And mm-hmm. yeah, the guys he was competing with are now Bontebelli McRae. So that gives you an idea of, of how well he was tracking. He was that was the best football he'd played in his career. That was is, career best yeah. form this year. They got in yep, just under a, a touch under or touch over, sorry, 29 disposals a game, but it's just the other stuff that he did too. So, yeah, it's a shame for him, yeah, because fantastic to see. Trelaw was another yeah. one as well who was looking the goods until he, he got injured. He probably would have been, oh, maybe just outside the 40, I'd say, but doesn't could you, matter. But could you, could you make a case for Bruce or Norton? Norton, yes, Norton, I certainly can see him being in the 40, man. That's another, I love that selection right there. Good call. Now, definitely is a minimum 40. Man, I think he's been the past four to five weeks, not sub June. I think I made mention of that last week, but he's definitely yeah. been down on his. Down if, if they were based it on the first half of the season, AA sent half forward straight away. But yeah, so we'll see what he does. If he gets a couple of bags in the, in, in the next few games, you know, people have short memories, don't they? And they like to, to look what's happened recently. And that might be, you know, enough to tip him over or tip him into minimum 40 and potentially 22. He's up against some sides that he's got good records against. Adelaide, he kicked six against last year. He kicked two against Essendon in 2019, two against Hawthorne in 2024, against Port Adelaide earlier this year. 
So who knows? Who there's knows? A there could there's, be there's a chance. There's some possibilities. Tell Imagine me there's a chance. Oh, my God. I just wanted to say this. Seriously. And when do you suppose the last time we had two key forwards kicking 50? Two key forwards kicking 50. Jesus. that's When oh. the heck would have that been? So I'm going to go... Uh, I mean, do we count? Do we count Danny Delray as a key forward technically? I don't even know. Actually, so, so when when would it be if it, if if we're I'm happy to Danny go Delray. What, what, if it is to be, then it'd be ninety two. Well, who? Kicked, but I don't know who's who's the, the, actually. Who was the other one then? Grant would have kicked fifty. Grant would have kicked fifty plus. I don't know if he did. I'm pretty sure he did. I'll have to double check that. Let's have a look at it. You you go ahead and. You know, wave your magic. I'm, yeah, know? I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my brains around this because we haven't often had a twin tower combination. Uh, who could, the only ones I could think of um, because it always tends to be one. Nothing else is oh, really coming is to mind. Yeah, we've got so, Grant on Grant on fifty that year. Oh, Delray was seventy, and just. Delray was well, he's not key forward, but you know, in terms of you know early nineties, you know, one eighty eight centimeters. That's the same height Jason Dunstall was. So let's just call that. How tall was he? Sorry, one eighty-eight. Okay, Danny Delray. So let's just it's like third tall. <laughs> I can't think of any other. Maybe. So maybe the key forwards I'm thinking of: uh, Jack Collins and Max Cross combined in fifty-six. Max Cross was runner-up in the goal kicking, but I don't think Jack Collins kicked fifty goals that year. Nine, what year was this? Sorry? That was nineteen fifty-six. I will tell you in a second. So Cross kicked fifty-two goals, I think. I don't think Collins. Yeah, I think Collins was pushed a bit further up the ground Collins, that year. Collins were 38 goals. 38. Max Cross, 52. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Sandland. In the, oh my God. Yeah, he only played the one year with the with the Bulldogs. I think there was a, uh, there was a contractual dispute in the second year. 16 in 56, five games in 57. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Laurie Sandland's in the 70s. And in the early 70s, rather, Kelvin Templeton in the late 70s. There may have been a time when either Templeton or, no, sorry, where either Shane Loveless paired up. This would be late 70s, early 80s, paired up with either uh, Templeton or Beasley. But I don't know. I don't know if it's ever that's happened, the actually. Only, that's the only hunch I wonder. They, they, we're going to have to do some research on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll right. look into that because we've got some more questions that we've got to, got to power through. Uh, at Shapkel, so this is from Shane Kelly, does Wallace get to play finals? Brutal to potentially miss out again. I think it's going to be hard. I think he's, I think, I think he's going to need I think he's going to need players to fall over, which is certainly not beyond the realms of possibility of the Western Bulldogs. But I don't think he's going to get in based on form. And I think the fact that the VFLC has been put on hold makes it even more difficult. Touchwood, it returns this week. Yeah, fingers across. Still hope for that, but we don't know, how, of course, how many games are going to be left into the season, and it could be anywhere between three and six. But yeah. we'll see. It's going to it's going to be very difficult, I would say, for Wallace. I think he's almost certainly going to need uh, he's certainly going to need someone to go down. Mm. And even if he does, if he does uh, return to the side, it'd probably be as a sub, as a medical sub. That is, yeah, originally. At Ad Pat 1989, so this is Andrew Patterson. What's our biggest danger game in the final four rounds? Good I would question. Argue, I would argue they're all danger games at this point, because what I've noticed in the last month and what we've sort of experienced firsthand are, are perennial battlers down the bottom of the ladder, Melbourne and, and the Gold Coast, for instance, have both improved quite a lot. North are very good, and and they smashed Carlton the weekend. And I was watching the Gold Coast Suns game against Brisbane. They're up by nearly five goals at halftime. The Suns. They've improved a lot. They've actually not got a bad side now. 
And then there's others who have constantly been sort of down the, the bottom wretches like Fremantle are improving. I mean, Carlton are improving at, at times. They're still a bit inconsistent. Essendon are improving, making a charge towards the finals. Adelaide are improving, who we've got to be careful of this week. What do you mean? No, no, surely. Correct that. I've got to correct you there. Essendon are making a charge to a 17th straight season of no finals wins. That's what well, you need I to didn't say. say well, I didn't say no finals wins. I just said make no, a no, charge I just, towards finals. No, no, it won't even be the case. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they won't make it, you reckon? Now, for some reason, I still think that I've got the Giants falling out, and I've got the t- uh, the Tigers. I was going to call them the Tuggers just for Jason. Uh, they're gonna, they'll still sneak in. You reckon? Okay. I think oh, they'll well, still sneak in. I heard that here first. I would argue that they're all danger games. There's none that I say are, are easy. Even Hawthorne are improving a bit. Even Hawthorne, I think, are, are better than than yeah. what they were. They are. That's the that's the game I've got the least concern with. Agreed. Agreed. But I'm I'm still. It's it's not. I mean, but they they drew against Melbourne just a couple of weeks ago, and that's first against second last. So, you know, when they when they get it, so, when so they clearly get we needed to lift our game. We needed to lift our game against yeah. the D's yeah. first for second. We only won by twenty. What is this? So we can we only beat all of them by twenty points. But words, yeah, you're telling two points per spot on each, uh, you know, per place on the ladder right there. <laughs> I will say there's a bit of pressure. So if we win three mm. of our next four, it's our best ever home and away season, ever. It would be a record of 17-5. We've never had a record like that. The best is 16-6, and six, which I think we did in 92. 85 and 92. 85 and 92. So there is history on the line as well as that pursuit of a maiden and we were And we were 16-5 and five in 85 at the time. So we had the chance. And 92, I've, what did we do? We, I think we lost the round 24 game, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I'm I not sure. So. Also, I think we had the scope to be better. So... We'll see what we do. Um, who else have we got, Matt? Uh, so uh, that's all I've got. You had a couple of questions, though. I've, we've got a particular question, which these we should more, definitely focus on. These are on. more admin questions. I don't know how they, we're going to go answering this. I think we might need to do some actual research. Before I've already you... done the research, Nick. Oh, have I've you? already done the research. Oh, yes. Right, so... Take it away. So we'll go, we'll go first question. If Jackson McRae were to hypothetically find himself as the number one man in the midfield, at our club or at another team, you know, never that's the case. Through Bonds and Pelly, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it at all, actually, because we don't, <laughs> don't want to jinx it don't, again. Don't, don't. We all learn our uh, lessons. But what could be the case? Could, could could he become a top five mid in the game? So basically, we're saying if 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 McRae didn't have Bonds and Pelly by his side, could he be a top five mid in the league in his own right? Yes, I think he already is McRae this, personally. Mm, this is I mean, Anthony I don't. Carey. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and go through who I think are the best five midfielders in the competition, but I think McRae is at least in the discussion, at least. I got, I got Bontepelli is definitely there. I, I got a little bit annoyed when I saw it on the, was it the nine things we learned on the AFL website and mentioned that Hugh McCluggage is the best kick inside 50. Well, stats say it's Jackson McRae this year, oh, mate. Oh, yes. Jack Jacko. And to be fair, McCluggage is right up there. And also, to further push that case, he's a Ballarat boy, isn't he? Bring him to the Western Bulldogs. That's all I'll say. Oh, I like that. I like that a yes, lot. Yes, we do. We do like that a Bring lot. Him maybe we can maybe we can only pay him on the other salary. One. <laughs> yeah, we can do well. that, yes. Brisbane's <laughs> salary cap's getting a little bit stretched too, actually. Yeah, watch this. Uh, watch this space. Uh, do we want to answer these other questions? Yeah, or... yeah. I do. Okay. Uh, so yeah, fantastic. So yeah, no, go ahead. We've talked uh, we've talked of an election calling, but what is the similar sorry, what is the process if something similar to happen at our club? as in what would trigger such an event? Who could and couldn't vote? Would they be voting for the president or the whole board? Okay. 
this one, yeah, this this one is a is a bit trickier. This one isn't the one I've done quite as much research on. That's right. Uh, it for, for what's going on at, at Collingwood, it would need to be an unprecedented set of circumstances. Now, Collingwood's is not one incident. This is a culmination of several aspects, both on and off field, that have combined into this into this situation that they're facing at the moment. So the on field woes of uh, well, of missing out on finals, falling short in, in finals for a significant period of time. I mean, they've been a bit more successful in the last couple of years, clearly not making finals this year. Two premierships in 60 seasons. I think a lot of people overlook that, which is, you know, that's bad. They've been, we've also got two premierships in 60 years. So there's the comparison. Uh, and then they've got, well, the, the fire sale that they had in the off season, giving away a lot of their best players who were on significant salaries. And then they've got the do better report. Uh, which wasn't helped by some of the comments that uh, Eddie Maguire was making. Uh, and then they've got the sacking of Nathan Buckley as well. It's, it's been so much that has happened. It would the, for, for something like this to happen, there would need to be a lot to take place, a lot of, of bad things to happen at the same time. If Collingwood would have just been caught in a, in, a, in a really bad situation where they've got all these things going on, at once, and none of them are any good. It would have to involve, you know, Bottom Pelly requesting a trade or, or beverage departing for Carlton or something. I don't even know something along well, those types of lines. The, even yeah. So the only thing that I can I can think of uh, is that um, well, Shocktober in twenty fourteen, where the captain, the coach, yeah. and, and C lost. That it. that would be the That's best. The yeah, that would be the best. Set, uh, set of circumstances uh, or the best comparison. But even then, that's sort of only really one aspect, I suppose. Like one event has snowballed everything else. So Griffin requesting a, tra- a trade has culminated in player, player going, revolts. player oh. going, other players going. It's not, well, we've got this and then we've got a, a distinct lack of success for, for a proud you know club that, that strives to win the flag every year and then, you know, um, issues about culture and, and all this sort of stuff as well. People refer to that, but I think like in the when they go back, they refer to it. But I think it's more to do with the fact that um, it's sort of that was that was the catalyst for bringing in beverage. In terms of hiring a president, that's done by the board. So there's there's um, there's the directors at a at a board, and I'm, I'm just going to get that up here. I think there's eleven all up. I think it is 11, yes, and they have like 13 or so meetings or is it 10 meetings each year, give or take. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to... And there's a minimum, minimum requirement for, for certain people to attend. Yes, there's, yeah, there's a there's a yeah mandatory sort of amount of time. So, the, so this was from the, the 2020 financial report that I've got here. So the directors, Peter Gordon, who was the president, this is 2020, Kylie Watson, we are now president, but vice president at the time, Matthew Croft as a director, Mark Evans, Lisa Fitzpatrick, Fiona McGorchie, Chris Nolan, Gerald Retcher, uh, Levent Shevsky, or Shevsky, sorry. They're all directors uh, from Croft to Shevsky. And then Amit Baines, the CEO. It's obviously changed a bit. So that is, uh, so I think that's three, four, five, six, seven. That's 10 all up. So that's so the president is decided on by the board or by the directors. So that's how that is. And we've and we've got one final question, I think, about the presidency specifically. 
Uh, and that's also from Anthony. So I have heard being president or on the board is voluntary and does not pay salary. Would that not be a full-time position? Is it assumed you have another job or income? I think it is. So I was under the impression that presidents uh, of AFL clubs are not paid for that role. So they have other jobs where they get their income from. And I've gone again to the financial report. And this is on, and you can look this up online if you want. If not, this is not anything exclusive. Page 40 refers to key management personnel. Uh, key management personnel are defined to include the board of directors, which are those people that I referred to earlier, chief executive officer, Meet Baines, chief operating officer, chief commercial officer, and director of football. Interestingly, chief operating officer, chief commercial officer, and director of football, the Bulldogs don't have any of those. Uh, and also, whilst defined as key management personnel, the directors volunteer their time and services to the club and are not remunerated. So none of those directors are paid for their work. Just clear that up. Still a little bit of research because I wanted to wanted to answer that question, but I wanted to make sure that, that I had it all right. Exceptionally clear right there. Now, other, of course, other than Shocktober, are there any other instances in our club's history of this happening? Not that, I, not, that, not that I can think of off the top, mate. Obviously, there's been big moments. So there was obviously the fight back in 1989, um, which I wasn't around for. wasn't quite old enough for that one. There were other instances as well. I think there was some big issues. I think 1996 was a really troubling time. So the Bulldogs were in real trouble financially. I think there were also talks of mergers then as well for the Bulldogs. And there was the possibility of Chris Grant leaving for that big offer for Port Adelaide. And I think in another universe, that could have been a pretty disastrous off-season as well. Mm. Fortunately, it didn't turn out that way. But that was, that's, pretty, pretty that's another example I can think universal, of. I think. Yeah. Quite happy in this and I remember reading an article that there were some problems in 2002 as well. Although that is they, yeah, they weren't as highly publicized. I don't have that information here. I think, however, that is going to have to just about do us for another week on the salty bulldog it's been a good episode it's been a a great episode oh i've never loved josh shackie as much as i have in my life (laughs) good on you shack great game on the weekend uh to all of our listeners thank you for for tuning in so this is this is pretty special because today's episode is the 99th edition of the salty bulldog so next week we're going to be we're going to be this is very there's going to be lots of champagne and you know firecrackers and illegal illegal fireworks and stuff (laughs) (laughs) so next week is going to be a big episode we're going to try and plan something special but nothing locked in yet but we're going to try and celebrate in a very special way for the 100th episode of the salty bulldog if you want to check out any of the previous 99 you can do so by subscribing to our podcast on apple and spotify we've also got past episodes on youtube we used to up the episodes there to youtube so you can check those out as well over 100 hours or almost 100 hours of bulldogs content it's, it's, it's probably myself. closer to 200 i think with the way we go over time probably probably closer to 200 but you know let, let's we try to keep it to an hour we've also got all of our other social media channels including twitter at the salty bulldog facebook by typing in the salty bulldog and instagram that.salty.bulldog and you can also check out the salty bulldog sleeved hall of fame which you'll be able to do on our website www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home nick it's been a pleasure. Can't wait for next week. Episode. Always a pleasure, man. Fantastic. To all of our listeners, as I say, wherever you've been tuning in from around the world, we really do appreciate your time, your support, and your efforts. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you again next week. But until then, take care.